Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey everybody, it is a live mailbag version of the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chip. How are you doing? I'm excited. I like these Monday mailbag shows that we've been starting to do. They're uh, always fun to interact with our audience here, but how are you doing? Yeah, good. I mean, we are a week out from the beginning of spring football. And I I wrote today in the morning brew that this is arguably the most important season Texas has had in the last 15 or so years, really since the end of the early 2000s. And when you talk about expectations, um, you talk about the final year in the Big 12 before going to the Southeastern Conference and, um, you know, delivering, delivering on the expectations. That's what championship programs do. They do it year in and year out. And I don't think it's any surprise or secret that Texas is probably going to be picked to win the Big 12 by the majority of pickers, coaches, media you name it, um, Vegas. And and so, you know, when you're getting ready to head off to the vaunted SEC, it's time to start delivering on expectations. Steve Sarkeesian deserves a ton of credit for the recruiting that he's done, um, finding giant humans to play on the offensive and defensive lines. Um, great job in the transfer portal. Great job with high school recruits. And... As Chris Del Conte told us on the flagship podcast last week, make sure you check out that uh, flagship podcast. Uh, he said all the all the building blocks are in place, and and you come to Texas for for these kinds of expectations. So uh, I think there's a lot of excitement and a lot of anticipation with regard to this upcoming football season and we'll start to get a, a glimpse of what's going on a week from today. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, Chip, because 
I can't recall a time where Texas has been the favorite to win the Big 12 and probably will be picked in the preseason, you know, media polls uh, leading, you know, when Big 12 media days do roll around. I, I don't recall a time in my career covering Texas where that has been the case. So that is it's huge. I mean, for Steve Sarkeesian to be in this position in year three um, on the job, you know, this is not an easy job to have if you're the head coach at Texas. Obviously, as you mentioned, you know, Crystal Conte um, in our interview with him from last week, though, one thing he talked about when he was talking about Red McCombs is, you know, you kind of love or hate him with some of the things that he said. He was really spot on when it came to what it takes to be able to be in this type of position as the head coach of uh, Texas football. And, you know, you have to have the right type of uh, personality. You have to have uh, you have to understand the true tradition of Texas, the University of Texas and Texas football. And you have to embrace the fact that you are going to be scrutinized essentially at any given moment. And Steve Sarkeesian obviously dealt with a lot of adversity the first season, you know, that five and seven season that um, Texas did have. But then the way that they've recruited, the way that, you know, last season played out, I know some fans wanted more than eight wins, but from a five-win team to an eight-win team and getting the number three-ranked recruiting class in the country, um, you know, in the 2023 recruiting class, that should not go unnoticed. So I think there is a lot of excitement. There's a lot of eyeballs. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny on Texas, especially if they don't perform early in the season. But it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like they're going to Alabama. If they lose the Alabama game, it doesn't mean everything's over. You know, I think that the, the expectation should be Big 12 title appearance this year and as you and I have talked about and um, Texas is really poised in the position to actually make that more than just an expectation actually you know answer the call yeah yeah no it's uh you got to get the quarterback um you got to get the quarterback position right and it looks like Texas is doing that uh you got to have offensive and defensive line experience Texas has that coming into this year all five starters back in the offensive line you've got um, experienced leadership at every position group on defense even though you you have some some players you have to replace DeMarvian Overshone uh, Anthony Cook Deshaun Jameson but you've recruited well I wrote um, about Anthony Hill in the insider last week and he is definitely someone to keep an eye on this spring because he's an early enrollee and uh, he's going to be given the first opportunity to replace DeMarvin Overshone. I mean, he's going to be working at weak side linebacker along with David Benda um, and um, Mo Blackwell. So uh, this is going to be fun. I mean, you've got to have, I always say, you've got to have talent on the runway. After, after one plane takes off, you've got to have another plane ready to take off and another plane waiting behind that plane. And so that if you have injuries, you're, you're okay. And that's, that's where Texas appears to be right now. So let's, uh, let's get it on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to be really fun to watch. And as you said, spring football starts on March 6th. Uh, the spring game is what April fifteenth, I believe. Yep. Um, yeah, so there's going to be a lot of storylines to watch, no doubt about it. Um, Anthony Hill, yeah. If you did not read the Insider, uh, Chip did a really good piece on Anthony Hill talking to 
um, high school coaches, uh, you know, his father, everything. I mean, it's a, it was a really good piece, but this is a guy that could make an impact and Texas will be in a good position if he does. I think, you know, it's, you, you don't necessarily always want to rely on true freshmen coming in, but when you lose a guy like, you know, DeMarvian Overshone and having the linebacker position be still a little bit young, aside from Jalen Ford, you want to have those five stars come in and make that immediate impact. And um, he's in a position to do so. And if anybody's watched his tape, I think it speaks for itself, <laughs> you know, and uh, this is Anthony Hills. I like to joke is Chip's man crush of the 2023 uh, recruiting class because he is all about Anthony Hill. And I think I think is a, a good one to pick, honestly, because he's really in a good position to make an impact early on in his career at Texas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to see this guy. I mean, I think <laughs> he, he. I mean, the stories you hear remind me a little bit of what we heard about Kelvin Banks uh, coming in, and Kelvin Banks was not even an early enrollee. Yeah, he came in in June and just started wowing people and then came in and played at a, at an all conference level as a true freshman. I think I don't want to put, put this on the kid, um, Anthony Hill, uh, you know, put those expectations on him, but I just think he's, he's a kid who loves football, loves contact is a sponge. I hear he's killing it in winter workouts. And I think the coaches feel pretty good about his ability to be an immediate impact player in 2023. So uh, I don't anoint uh, freshmen like that very often, yeah. uh, but I'm anointing him Taylor because what I'm hearing and what uh, his body of work and his body, those long arms, the strength. I mean, this is a kid who squats, squatted 550 pounds in high school and was on a 40.7 four by 100 relay that finished second at state. Uh, and he's 6'2", 228 and ran a 10 second leg in that, uh, in that relay. Now, um, you know, they don't break out the splits, but four guys ran you know, 40.7. So uh, Anthony Hill, pretty freaky in terms of that athleticism. Yeah, the type of linebacker Texas probably hasn't had all the time, but when they have had it, you are like just chomping at the bit waiting to see what they can do and the type of impact that they can make. And he fits that mold, in my opinion. Yeah, kind of like Derek Johnson. I mean, it's been probably that long yeah. since um, you, you know, you could – uh, kind of draw up an athlete like uh, like Anthony Hill. So let's uh, let's see if he can put it all together. And we saw Jalen Ford take a big step at the linebacker position. Jeff Cho, great job recruiting at linebacker. He's got uh, Leonga Lafau also in uh, as an early enrollee. Darian uh, Gallette, and then. Um, uh, Oksana, uh, I, I, oh, good Lord. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking like, I would help you because I, I always feel bad when you can't think, but I butcher names so bad that, what is it? To, uh, to, uh, his I sister plays name. on the volleyball team. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> so to, to a uh, silly Akana, is that what it is? Uh, 
Yeah, sorry. Tassilia Kana, sorry. Tassilia, yeah, Tassilia. I'm like, I know, like, Tassilia, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and all those guys are, you know, And Samaje Burrell, you know, coming into. Yeah. Yeah. All right, should we get to some of the questions? Yeah, Um. and if you are watching live on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel or the Horns 24-7 Facebook page, uh, feel free to submit comments, questions on there, and we will try to get to yours too. We uh, have a, a pretty decent number of Horns 24-7 member questions that we'll tackle here, but feel free to send us more questions in the comments, and we will try to get to all of them today. Um, but this first one, Chip, I'm going to start with this uh, from Horns 24-7 member Mikey Gress 6 um, If and when Sark hires an offensive assistant to the head coach, do you suspect that person will have the role of offering in-game advice to Sark for calling the offense? I hope so. I hope so. We've talked about this a little bit. I, I feel like um, Sark needs a, a voice kind of on par with Gary Patterson his special assistant on defense um, when he makes that hire for the uh, special assistant role on offense. I, I absolutely think it should be a voice who Sark respects and listens to. Um, and I think that, I think that's what Sark's looking for. And, and that's not always as easy to find maybe, um, because of timing uh, as, as Sark would like. Um, plus Nick Saban is sort of the, the place where fired coaches go to rehabilitate themselves. But I think, I think Steve Sarkeesian would like to have that same kind of situation going at Texas. If he can get some of the bright minds that may or may not have worked out at a place, but um, certainly, are capable and have maybe been a head coach. I think that would be exactly what Steve Sarkeesian needs because um, I think that's a, a question that uh, I'm, I'm certainly going to ask Sark when we get together here at the beginning of spring football in terms of, you know, those voices that he truly listens to in game. Is it just AJ Milwee? Is it, is it Jeff Banks? Um, so I, I think that's what he needs, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I think that's definitely what he needs. I mean, what happened with Gary Patterson last year was just kind of perfect timing for Texas with uh, him getting let go at TCU. But I think he definitely needs that. Now, you know, I, I wonder if he did have those, anybody on staff that he did listen to last season, honestly. And that's not like a knock on Sark. It's not a knock on the assistant coaches. Um, you know, I've talked about this, you've talked about this on the flagship podcast, but being the head coach and the offensive play caller, there's so many other responsibilities. It's not like, you know, a, a traditional just offensive coordinator play caller of the offense that um, when the offense isn't on the field can go and talk to the players can go, you know, um, when they're on the bench can be more on the, the headset with the, you know, um, with AJ Milley, with the guys that are uh, communicating on the headset. When you're a head coach, you can't just walk away if you're the offensive play caller because you've got to you know, be focused on what's going on on the field on defense too. And so I think that's where, um, you know, kind of what Jimbo Fisher has done at, at Texas A&M 
um, and hiring an offensive coordinator, play caller type of thing. I think if Sark doesn't find a special assistant to the head coach on offense that he can trust, I think that's got to be probably the next step. And it's going to be interesting to see how and if or, you know, when Sark would potentially ever come up with, you know, or giving up those responsibilities. Um, you know, you can still have your offense and not call the plays, right? Like it's still going to be Steve Sarkeesian's offense. It's not like he's going to hire an offensive coordinator and just totally rebuild the entire offense the way that they play or the way that they recruit anything like it'll still be his offense it'll be really interesting though to see if he is if he does get to a position where I think it would be like the writing on the wall everyone probably knows he needs to give up those responsibilities if he will and um, that, that's something that we'll learn about him he's never not called the offense as a head coach um, obviously he has not been a head coach prior to Texas for several years but still when he was at Washington he called the offense when he was at USC he called the offense when he was hired at Texas, that was something people asked him in his first interview. And he's like, yeah, this is what, why I got this job. Why wouldn't I continue doing that? We'll see if it's going to play out here. Um, but definitely, I think if, if there is a Gary Patterson-esque type of coach, but on offense, that would be huge for him to nab. I just don't know at this point with that job being posted for so long, if that person is out there and you don't want to just fill a role to fill a role, like, you know, just like when, they talk about recruiting. They don't want to just recruit, uh, you know, a player just to recruit a player if they don't feel like it's a good fit. And I feel like, um, you know, it's going to be interesting if they can find that special assistant on offense. But with it being, I mean, it's been posted for what over thirty days, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there were some names we had heard early on, and they kind of fell through the cracks a little bit. So. We'll see, but it definitely would help if he does uh, find a guy like Gary Patterson on offense to help him out. Yeah, I see this comment here from S. Roan 45, Norm Chow. Norm Chow, former um, BYU USC offensive uh, coordinator. And um, Norm Chow is now 76 years old. So <laughs> I don't know how hard he, he wants to work at this point, but Norm Chow is certainly a, a proven offensive mind who, who uh, carries a lot of respect. Uh, that's an interesting name. S Roan 45. Um, all right, Taylor, what, uh, what else we got? Let's go to this next one here. Um, from horns, 24 seven member J Ray, 007. Who are the two players you think need to have a breakout spring? One on offense, one on defense. I'll let you go first. Well, on offense, um, I think you you obviously want the quarterback to to have a breakout. You'd love for Quinn Ewers to just take total control of the operation have all kinds of confidence um, and become more of a vocal leader. Uh, you've lost Roshan Johnson, the un unquestioned vocal leader of the offense. Now you've got to find replacements for him. I've written about Jatavian Sanders uh, emerging in, in that role um, as Texas's first team, all big 12 tight end, but you need more. You need guys on the offensive line. You'd love to have, uh, really a voice at every position group if uh, if that's at all possible. Um, but, you know, 
I think CJ Baxter, um, you'd love to have him have a breakout spring, I think, uh, because he's a super talented uh, running back. We're hearing great things about him in winter conditioning. This is another guy who's kind of mature beyond his years, uh, was the number one running back in the country in the 2023 class, and a guy who can run it, catch it, uh, very similar. And I think um, in terms of profile and maybe even a little bit uh, in personality to Bijan Robinson, we'll see uh, if he's as productive. But, um, you know, that's the big question mark coming in this year is, okay, who's going to take over at running back? And we know uh, Jonathan Brooks uh, had the hernia surgery. He's going to miss uh, some of spring. And, and so, you know, CJ Baxter is a guy we're hearing they're going to put a lot on in the spring. And uh, that's going to really sort of accelerate his, his curve. So I'll say CJ Baxter uh, on the offense, along with, of course, Quinn Ewers. And on defense, man, I hate to do this to these freshmen, but I'll, I'll say Anthony Hill. Um, because again, huge question on defense who takes over for DeMarvian Overshone. Okay, well, Anthony Hill's getting a look there. And this is a guy who, as we just said, is really talented, seems mature beyond his years. So, um, Taylor, how about you? Yeah. Um, you know, on offense, I feel I agree with you. I think Quinn Ewers is a guy that needs to have a breakout spring. Um, I, I think he will, though. I mean, the the leap that quarterbacks tend to take between year one and year two as a starting quarterback is pretty substantial. I mean, go back to Sam Ellinger, you know, from his 2017 season to his 2018 season. You know, he led Texas to the Sugar Bowl and to an upset over Georgia that was supposed to be in the college We're football. Back. Yeah, people were complaining you know, Georgia fans saying that they got kind of screwed out of the college football playoff. Like that was a college football playoff, you know, bubble team, essentially. <laughs> I know that's not really a phrase, but um, I think Quinn Ewers, you, you, he's a guy that needs to have uh, a breakout spring. And honestly, probably just to just fully secure himself as the starting quarterback, because he is the starting quarterback. Like I know that Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, every offseason, every position is up for grabs, you know, all of that. That's something coaches have to say, but he is QB one. And there were up and down performances, you know, with Quinn Ewers that he had last season um, and with Arch Manning coming in, you know, just to kind of silence the noise around the quarterback room. And, you know, all these offseason headlines I see is like, oh, there's a quarterback battle in Austin. It's like, is there like, no, there's not really. But in order for those things to go away, I think Quinn Ewers has got it just have a breakout spring to totally silence the noise um, and make his claim. And, and he needs, you know, that's the most important position in sports is quarterback. And so um, especially in football. And so, you know, you want him to be taking that next step. Uh, and I think on defense, a part of me kind of wants to say Justice Finkley or Alfred Collins personally, probably Alfred Collins, I would say would be ahead just because you've seen glimpses of how good he can be, but not consistent, you know, consistently, um, there. And you, I, it's hard not to go back to the Alamo Bowl in 2020, you know, when he just had a monster game. And then it was like crickets the following season. You know, I think that the hype was there for him. 
I really think, you know, he has all of the talent to be a dominant player, but he's got to show it consistently. And I think in spring, that's a, that's a guy that definitely needs to have a breakout spring. So those are the two I'm going to go with. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, some interesting comments. Um, this one from David Williams uh, saying Cedric Baxter is a difference maker, but he's a true freshman. Jonathan Brooks should be the primary running back. And I, I don't disagree with that. The question was who, um, you know, who's going to have a breakout in the spring and with Jonathan yeah. Brooks being limited, I'm, I'm going to hold off on, on Jonathan Brooks and, and focusing on CJ Baxter, just because I think he's going to get a lot of work and it's going to give him a chance to, to break out. Um, yeah. And then we'll see, we'll see yeah. who emerges and who, who could be a breakout player heading into fall camp. Yeah. Cause with Jonathan Brooks, we haven't even been given an official injury update on him. Um, you know, I got it uh, confirmed through sources after the Alamo bowl that he did have surgery on the sports hernia. But at that time there wasn't really a timetable set for his return. Um, it was expected for him to be contributing in spring football, but we don't know at this point how much, how little, you know, anything along those lines. And um, it's, you know, talking about Jonathan Brooks too. Jaden blue is a guy you can't forget as well. I mean, that's a guy that didn't, you know, he was a very highly rated recruit coming into Texas. Obviously the running back room last year was absolutely stacked. So as a true freshman, didn't really see the field, but he's a guy you don't want to forget about either. Cause uh, he has a, and maybe, maybe he's a good one, honestly, from the running back room to have a breakout season. Cause if Jonathan Brooks is limited, he's probably second in line with um, Cedric Baxter. Yeah. And Jaden blue is a guy who it felt like Steve Sarkeesian forgot about in the Alamo bowl <laughs> after saying Jaden blue would play. He didn't play. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a little puzzling. So I think Jaden blue was like, yo, Hey, I'm over here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he, he's going to get a chance to, to show what he can do in the spring. I see another comment here from Todd Lacey. Of course, Taylor was talking about a couple of the defensive linemen who could be breakout players. Uh, this says, what about guys like Zach Swanson? Originally heard he had a great motor out of high school. Uh, sort of resembles body type of Aaron Humphrey. There you go. Getting the way back machine. Um, but plays uh, a different position. Any word on him? I'm hearing great things about Zach Swanson um, and Aaron Bryant and uh, you know, Jare Bledsoe, they're just having to wait their turn. I mean, this is, and again, I think Steve Sarkeesian and Bo Davis and Pete Kwiatkowski deserve credit for hanging on to these guys um, and not having them, you know, get in the portal. They're, they're buying into the fact that they got some older guys ahead of them and they're having to work their way into the rotation and then, work their way up the depth chart. And, and so Zach Swanson's a guy I'm definitely going to keep an eye on in, in spring football. But as Taylor said, Alfred Collins, you know, Vernon Broughton got more playing time last year than Alfred Collins and Alfred, Alfred Collins is six, five, three Oh, you know, 300 plus long arms, NFL body. And as Taylor mentioned, had an unbelievable Alamo bowl, 
in 2020, then the coaching change comes and, or Chris Ash, he had a, he had, you know, he had like four different defensive coordinators and, or three different defensive coordinators, um, you know, coming through, it's just been tough. And, Uh and now that he's been able to settle in with Bo Davis, I'm expecting big things from Alfred Collins this year. And, and Zach Swanson just needs to keep coming. Aaron Bryant, same thing. And, and so if they can do that, be ready, stay ready. Because we saw last year at the cornerback position when they needed to bring in some freshmen, they weren't quite ready and they weren't quite prepped and they got taken advantage of in that Iowa state game. But the next time they came on the field, they looked good. Terrence Brooks, Austin Jordan. Don't forget about Xavion Bryce at corner either, because he's a guy I continue to hear good things about another long armed, long corner who, um, you know, has talent. Of course they have Malik Muhammad on, on campus too. So uh, there are guys like Zach Swanson who are, who are, you know, building from the bottom of your roster, talented and just need to keep fighting their way to the top. And uh, they just got some guys ahead of them who, you know, got some proven experience. Yeah. And, and that should go to show too, with like Pete Kukowski and Bo Davis, how, um, how well they've done with getting the current players on the roster to buy in, as you had said, because it's so easy for players to transfer nowadays. Um, but Bo Davis, I mean, his, his, uh, you know, career speaks for itself. You know, he's, he's coached in the NFL. He's coached at the highest areas of college football too. um, coast national championship teams. He was a guy, even Keandre Coburn, you know, with him having a decision, if he wanted to have the COVID or an additional year of eligibility, he was going to fully rely on what Bo Davis said to him. Like he had told when I asked him about that, he said he wants to go to the NFL, but if Bo Davis said, no, like this will benefit you to stay back then he was going to listen to it. Um, obviously, Kander Coburn did move on, though. But, um, yeah, they he did, Bo Davis deserves a lot of credit. And he's like a fan favorite, too, I think, for Texas after that 2021 um, you know, Iowa State video that was leaked that just saw him basically say everything that Texas fans had, want, had been probably screaming at their TVs all season long at that point. And, uh, yeah, he's they've done a really good job with that. Um, All right. You want to go an injury question here next? Sure. All right. We're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more coming up. We'll be right back. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. First, the bad news. 
SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. From Horns 24-7 member CJ353, can you give a percentage on how healthy you feel Isaiah Nayer is at the moment? I'll let you go first. I think he's healthy. I mean, I think he's good to go. And and if he's not, then we got problems. I think he's going to be ready to go um, for the spring. He, um, you know, he did tear that ACL in fall camp. And it's been, what? August, um, you know, the recovery for that injury typically is six to nine months. Um, you know, that it used to be a year and now yeah. it's, it's an injury that, um, you know, depending on how well, uh, the rehab goes and how well the surgery was done and all of that, that it's now a six to nine month, um, proposition. So, you know, we haven't talked to Steve Sarkeesian yet. There is depth at that position, so there's no need to rush Isaiah Nayer back. But he's running, and and I think he's going to be ready to go um, for the spring. Now, maybe they'll, um, you know, limit him a little bit. But I think he's, you know, I think his rehab is on is on course. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and hear what uh, Steve Sarkeesian says, but I know Isaiah Nayer's ready. He's chomping at the bit to get back out there. Yeah. And Steve Sarkeesian, I think the last time that he gave an injury update on Isaiah Nayer was at the end of the regular season last year, um, like in late November, I think it was. And he didn't necessarily say anything about spring football, but he said he should be at least good for 2023 season, the start of the 2023 season. Um, we will hopefully talk to Sark. Uh, I know that's probably not really us answering the question. We will talk to him. I imagine within the next week leading up to the start of spring practice. So, um, that's going to be a time where he can give us an official update, but there's been, we haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything at least that would say that, um, there's been any setbacks in the recovery now, nine months it's, you know, in August, what is that? We're what, six months out then from that? Yeah, I mean, we're on the early end of it. We're yeah. on the early end of, of that rehab. And uh, uh, I remember, I'm just thinking back to Luke Brockermeyer who tore his ACL in the last contact practice um, two years ago, um, leading up to the, the K-State game. And, you know, he was not able to go through spring football. So, um like I said, there's no rush for him, but his rehab is going well from what, yeah. from what, uh, um, you know, I've heard from team sources. So um, it'll probably be hard for him not to be out there this spring, but uh, we'll wait and see what Steve Sarkeesian tells us. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, next one here. Let's see. We'll talk a little bit Texas defense here. From Horns 24-7 men, member NEGs95, do you expect the Texas defense to improve again 
this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. And, and I think, um, you know, there are areas where the Texas defense needs to improve, especially in their communication, in their pass coverage. Um, you know, they, they put in the quarters match um, defense in their, in their secondary. Uh, Gary Patterson is a longtime quarters match guy. He helped them with that. But there were breakdowns in that um, when they're when you're passing off a receiver from the outside to the middle of the field. Uh, Texas was victimized quite a bit in the middle of the field last year, especially deep down the middle of the field. Um, and you know that's where the communication has to get better um, between the the safeties and the corners, the uh, the safety, you know a guy like Jalen Catalan, that's where he becomes really essential because he's a, a veteran guy who's, you know, super talented and vocal. Uh, if he comes in and is as good as we think he is, then, you know, that's going to be uh, a big help because Jaron Thompson's a vocal guy. Anthony Cook was not as much of a vocal guy and um, not, not that that's the end of the world, uh, you only need one guy back there who's making all the calls, to, but I mean, you really do need everyone to be able to communicate. So um, that's the part of the defense I want to see uh, really improve because I thought Texas played the run really well last year. Uh, that's where you're going to miss guys like Keandre Coburn um, and DeMarvian Overshone. But I, I do think that there's enough experienced, um, you know, playmakers with Jalen Ford at, at, in the middle of that uh, defense uh, and a bunch of veteran guys coming back on the defensive line that the run defense should not take a step back at all. So yeah. uh, I think what Taylor said about Justice Finkley is, is big because he's a guy who could, should develop into a guy who can rush the passer, who's got to be good against the run as well. I think Ovia Gofu improved last year against the run, but he still didn't, um, you know, he, he got pressure on the quarterback, but he didn't get the quarterback to the ground a whole, whole bunch. And Texas needs that, that pass rusher that everyone fears that all offenses fear and have to account for. Um, and I, I think Baron Sorrell's developing into that guy too, but man, you need, you need two and three pass rushers. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think this defense needs to improve again this year. Taylor, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the one area that definitely for sure needs to improve is the, you know, getting off the field on third downs and fourth downs. That was something that the defense did struggle with at times. Um, when you look at, you know, NCAA statistical rankings from last season, that was one of the worst um, that the defense had. It was in the bottom half of college football. So you want to see that happen. I think a lot of that also is a product of the offense not being able to stay on the field long enough at times too. Um, you know, guys get tired, you know, and it's, and then they're rotating guys that don't have, there aren't starters because they're getting tired. There's a lot of things I think that did lead to that, being a little bit of a problem for Texas in um, some games last season. So I think that's an area you definitely want to see improvement. 
Um, you know, but overall, I feel like if the defense stays steady, I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing or any type of indication that the defense isn't progressing. Uh, just because there is a lot of experience on defense that Texas is going to have to replace from last year, you know, with DeMarvian Overshone, with Deshaun Jamison, Anthony Cook, uh, Keandre Coburn, Moro Ajomo. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I know you had mentioned um, Ovia Gofu. He's not at Texas any longer either. I mean, that those are guys that have played a ton of football, you know, and so that experience is going to be difficult to replicate. Um, I think that there's a lot of really talented players on this defense, but, um, you know, without having a lot of veteran experience at some of the key positions, you, I would say your hope should be for them to stay steady, at least defensively. But there are some areas, you know, um, as you had said too, but also like third down, fourth down uh, defense. I think those are things you want to definitely see improvement though. Yeah. And we're seeing more and more coaches going for it on fourth down. I mean, that's mm -hmm. where Texas tech really got Texas, that was their Big 12 opener. Um, you had a new coach in Joey McGuire. Uh, you, you had a sample size of non-conference football, but um, you know Joey McGuire just kept going for it on fourth down, and, and Donovan Smith had a great game at quarterback and just kept converting. And, and it wasn't just fourth and one. It was fourth and four, and, and that, that's demoralizing. That's demoralizing. And that that uh, that was that was part of the issue for sure in that second half um, of that Texas Tech game. So no doubt about it, Texas is gonna have to prepare to play four downs and yeah. and have that mindset to absolutely get off the field. Yeah, they are gonna have to prepare that way until they can prove that they can shut it down and then teams won't go for it on fourth down, but um, you know, as you said, Joey McGuire put, basically put on the clinic of how to beat the Texas defense, and it was going for it on fourth downs. And, and they did improve as the season wore on. That that Texas Tech game was the the worst, I would say. Um, but it also was a game where Texas had their backup quarterback and that was injured playing through an injury in that game too. So there, I know it's probably sounds like I'm making excuses. Honestly, I know how I hear myself talking. I'm like, Oh man, there's gonna be people like, okay, like you're just excusing it. But that one was hard to shake. You know, that was definitely a hard performance to shake and um, they've gotten improved there for sure. Well, and Donovan Smith now is at Houston and Texas will play Houston um, this upcoming season. So they'll, they'll see Donovan Smith, but it'll be, uh, at Houston, uh, Texas tech will have Tyler Shuck back at quarterback with Baron Morton. And, um, you know, those two played on the field together some last year. So Joey McGuire, uh, you know, t Texas tech is sort of one of those darling picks coming into the 2023 season. Um, we'll, we'll see, they lost some, some, you know, key guys, uh, on, on offense running back, but Joey McGuire had a good, a good first year, uh, beating both Texas and Oklahoma in his first year at Texas tech tech fans will take that. Yeah, for sure. Especially now with Texas and Oklahoma going to the sec. So, yeah. um, all right, this next one here, 
I this I I am so sorry to this Horns twenty four seven member because he always asks really good questions when we do this. But I feel like every time I say his name, I change it somehow because I don't know what it is. I think it's uh, Ramos OC eighty eight. Would you? Is that how you pronounce? Yeah, it? I, I like know. that. Okay, sorry about that. If you want to send me a DM, let me know how to pronounce your username. That was great because you always ask great questions. But he asks here, will there be an established midweek starter for baseball this year, unlike last year when it kind of felt like a revolving door? Well, I think we're learning about this team as we go. And I know David Pierce was distraught with the loss to Indiana on Sunday. He called it one of the most embarrassing games um, he's been a part of as a coach. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty bad. But Texas, like he said that he had players not reading their cards, right? Texas uses cards to communicate what they want to do on the base pass. Runners were running into outs getting picked off. It was, it was not good. Um, But, as far as the pitching, I mean, LeBaron Johnson uh, pitched last Tuesday night against Texas A&M Corpus Christi and looked good. You know, gave up, what, one run on three hits. Um, if he's the guy against number one LSU on Tuesday night this week at Dishwalk Field, um, then he's going he's gonna to get tested. And, you know, the guy I'm intrigued by, is the lefty David Shaw, who transferred from Rice. He's made four appearances, and he's yet to give up an earned run. And I think he's only given up one hit. Um, six foot seven lefty, and he's just been rock solid uh, in his four appearances. So um, I'm kind of keeping an eye on on him. Right now, he's, he's definitely a reliever. But LeBaron Johnson... Um, let's see what he can do. He struggled a little bit in his first outing that first weekend uh, in his relief appearances, but um, you know he's got he's got presence. He's got a fastball, and uh, Texas needs to develop. You know more. They need to have five starters. You know uh, because you never know with injuries that kind of thing. And and so let's see what LeBaron Johnson can do. Uh, with uh, with this opportunity against number one LSU on Tuesday. Yeah, because last year Texas they had the injury to a starter in it. I, I I'm sorry, I'm Tanner Witt. Tanner Witt, yeah. And then um, oh my gosh, the they had someone step up. Why can't I think of the guy's name? That Luke, Lucas up? Gordon. Luke, Lucas Gordon. That's right. Yeah, I, I wanted to say Lucas Field. I'm like, no, that's not. I think I have the NFL Combine like in my mind right now. But uh, yeah, you you know you definitely need depth in your pitching rotation, and um, it's it's crucial. I mean, I, I even looking in like the pros, I go back to when Nolan Ryan was you know uh, consulting and working with the Rangers when they did make it to the world series or one out away from winning that world series. Um, what was that? 2011 against St. Louis. Um, but ever since he left, like they've made such a priority on pitching the bullpen, making sure they had quality pitchers. And ever since he's left, it feels like the Rangers have just been a, just bad, you know, and it's because they, I feel like they don't have the priority pitching that they, you know, putting a, placing a priority on the pitching rotation, the pitching staff that Nolan had and um, it's showing, you know, and so you, Texas needs 
several, <laughs> any, any team, if you're going to make a run, especially with baseball, with it being such a long season, how many games they play. I mean, shoot, sometimes they play five games a week. You know, I mean, uh, you need to have that. You need to have quality depth. You need to have a bullpen you can trust, but uh, you for sure need more than just three weekend starters in baseball. Yeah. And you got to have, you got to have consistency out of the bullpen. That's why I think, um, you know, David Shaw um, and Heston Toll who came over from Arkansas, who's looked pretty good in, in his relief appearances and Chris Stewart. I know he's given up some hits, but he's got good stuff and he does not give a flip. I mean, he will just throw the heat on both sides of the plate and I think he'll get better as the season goes on. And this, this is what we have to watch with Woody Williams, the new pitching coach, because last year the pitching didn't get better. And that's why Sean Allen was let go. David Pierce is a, is a pitching coach, you know, at heart. Pierce has done everything. But, um, you know, bringing in Woody Williams, a guy who pitched in the big leagues for 15 years and has been a JUCO pitching coach and now getting his chance at Texas. We got to see these guys get better as the season goes on. That did not happen last year. And it, it hurt Texas when it mattered most right there too in barbecue out of Omaha. But um, let's see if these pitchers develop and I, I see we're getting comments over and, you know, from folks about Tanner Witt and, you know, it, 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 that's been a strange situation. David Pierce has not been, you know, totally forthcoming about the timetable for Tanner Witt. Obviously there's, you know, been a little bit of a, uh, maybe a delay or I don't want to say setback because that makes it sound like, you know, there was a re-injury or something, but right. that's a difficult injury to come back from the, the Tommy John surgery. But, Let's see, because that kid's a talent and, and, you know, whatever, whatever that timetable is, he'll be welcome back. Um, you know, once, once he's fully healthy. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to football here. This is from, excuse me, um, Mikey Gress six. There are rumors of DJ Campbell possibly missing time this spring due to injury. Have you heard anything on this little behind the scenes? We were talking about this on our staff group text today. Um, Chip, I'll let it's something we're definitely looking into, but I'll let you, you know, try. Yeah, on that. I mean, DJ Campbell, you know, put on his social media picture of him in a hospital bed, um, you know, a few weeks ago. We have not heard of you know, an injury that would, um, you know, be significant. And Texas typically won't report on injuries unless it results in missing significant time. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get this update from Steve Sarkeesian that we were supposed to get before the ice storm. But uh, that's certainly a question. Um, because DJ Campbell did post a picture of himself in a hospital bed, but it didn't say what it was. And right. there was no cast. There was no, I mean, he could have been in there getting a physical or something, but yeah. Um, 
there's no visible injury that was shown in the picture, but it was him in a hospital bed. <laughs> right. Like we know that Cole Hudson uh, had off-season surgery. We know Connor Robertson had off-season surgery and they're going to miss uh, time. Cole Hudson, I think, is going to miss the entire spring. Connor Robertson's going to miss part of the spring. He had wrist surgery. Um, and Jonathan Brooks, we know he had Jonathan Brooks, surgery. Right. So it's, it's rare that we don't know something like that if it was something substantial, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll stay, stay tuned on that yeah. one. We've not heard anything significant on DJ Campbell. Yeah. And that's a guy that I know, you know, Kyle Flood is looking forward to him kind of taking that next step. Him and Cam Williams were guys that he talked a lot about at the Alamo Bowl when we did get to talk to Kyle Flood. So, um, you know, I it's a big enough name and contributor to where if there was some, it's it would be surprising to me if there was something substantial that we had not heard of it at this point yet, because it's been a few weeks since. So, but yeah, yeah. well. TBD. Sorry, that's not really an answer, but it's kind of a TBD. We'll see what Sark has to say about it, but nothing we've heard so far. Yeah, and with Cole Hudson out, um, Cole Hudson, who started every game at right guard, um, you know, this spring is a big opportunity for DJ Campbell. So um, it's uh, he's a guy who, if we're looking for breakout, he's a guy who could stand to have a breakout year because he was considered the number one interior lineman recruit in the country in, in 2022. Yeah. We'll take a quick break here on the flagship podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. All right, this one here from Horns 24-7 member, I'm guessing it's South Texas Horn 90. Um, from what you know about winter workouts, who is your offensive slash defensive breakout player for next year? It's kind of a spin we said about spring, but this is for next year. Chip, I'll let you go first. Yeah, now, now we're talking about veteran guys, in my opinion. Um, you know... I'll start on defense first. I mean, you'd love it to be Jalen Catalan, honestly. A guy who comes in who was an all-SEC player as a freshman at Arkansas. He's from the state of Texas. Um, you know, this is a guy who he, he just sees the game. He's got that football IQ, um, very instinctive player, but also a guy who knows what he's looking for in terms of reading his keys and just being in the right place at the right time, getting the defense lined up. Uh, I, I, 
I just think you'd love it to be Jalen Catalan as the quarterback of your of your secondary. You talk about being able to improve your your pass defense. There's a guy who can help you improve it. Um, on offense, in terms of breakout, I mean, I think it's either Isaiah Nair or A.D. Mitchell from Georgia um, or both. But um, I think one of those two guys is going to break out. Now, they're both bigger receivers. Nair, 6'3", A.D. Mitchell, 6'4", both long wingspan, um, contested catches, big catch radius. Taylor and I have talked about how those big receivers are a quarterback's best friend because you can throw it you know, high and let them go get it. And, and so I'll, I'll put those two out there. How about you, Taylor? Okay. Um, well for defense, I'm, I'm going to go with justice Finkley. I feel like he, uh, he's poised, I would say for a breakout type of, um, season. He, I, I really like his game in general. Um, I really liked him as a recruit coming out. I think, um, he's in a position where he could really be a, a dominant player for at the edge position for this Texas defense and has more of an opportunity, you know, now with Ovia Gofu not there. So I would say um, I'm going to go with Justice Finkley. Offense, man, I think I think you hope it's uh, Quinn Ewers, right? But um, what you would consider breakout for a guy that pretty much was a starter last year, I, I'm not sure. I, it's hard not to kind of go with what you're saying of either A.D. Mitchell or Isaiah Nair or, or both, you know, I think I don't want to copy you, but I feel like that's the right answer, right? It's the, probably the combo of them too, because these are two guys that could in a sense, maybe potentially resemble what Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson were for Texas in 2018 that season. I mean, they're, you know, as we've talked about quarterback's best friend is number one, a solid running game. And two, those big body receivers that, you can throw the 50-50 balls up to in the air and they're going to have more times than not the height advantage, the length advantage over, um, you know, a, a corner or a, somebody in the secondary. So I think I think that's the right answer. And I, I don't want to just copy what you said, but I think that's definitely the answer is uh, they're both really, really solid players. Um, you know, I think that they're poised and Texas needs the those big body receivers. That's not really they, something that they had last year. I mean, Jatavian Sanders had a breakout season because he kind of filled that role in a sense when Texas didn't have the length um, after Isaiah Nayer went out in, in fall camp last year. Yeah. And A.D. Mitchell uh, has done it. You know, he caught the game winning touchdown in a playoff against Ohio state. He caught a touchdown in the national championship game against TCU. He caught a touchdown in the college football playoff a year ago against Michigan. I mean, he's played in four college football playoff games and caught a touchdown in each one of them um, and caught the game winner against Ohio State. So that's what you want. You want a big-time player who's going to make a big-time play in a big-time game, and that kind of confidence and experience is, is hard to find. And so Texas, great job. Um, you know, appealing to A.D. Mitchell, who, you know, we've written about has a has a child in the state of Texas he wants to be closer to. So Texas benefits from that. And um, and let's see what what he brings, because 
I'm hearing really good things about him and winter conditioning. Now it's a lot of throwing the football against air, but he's a big, big, fast guy. And, and he's, he's all about contested catches. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, Jatavian Sanders made those kinds of catches in, in high school and then boom, he gets to Texas and he makes them in, in college games. And that's what you need. And that's what Texas has been lacking is that, that receiver that's going to go win the 50 50 ball. Um, the big receiver, you know, mm-hmm. we know Xavier Worthy can run by people, but he doesn't do well in the 50 50 balls um, when it's a tight, tightly contested situation. Um, Isaiah Nair and A.D. Mitchell, they do. And you need that. You, you desperately need that um, as an offense. And uh, so let's see what, uh, Let's see what these guys bring. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go to a comment from the YouTube page from Frank Decluet. Um, If Ewers passes for 3,500 yards with 35 passing touchdowns and five interceptions, would Texas be in the Big 12 championship and possible playoff team? Oh, yeah. 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 Those are great numbers. Those are gaudy numbers. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, that Sarkeesian wants to run the football and will probably, probably have a thousand yard rusher. Um, if not, he'd probably have like a 900 yard rusher and an 800 yard rusher, depending on just how balanced that running back room is. And so, you know, that's, yeah, those are numbers. Those are championship numbers right there. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you compare it, I'm, I just pulled this up here from the 2018 season. I know I'm going back to Sam Elliger comparison, but it's, I feel like a little, it is kind of relevant, you know, I mean, that was his second year um, yeah. in the offense, second year playing at Texas, his numbers that season, he had 3,292 passing yards, 25 touchdowns and five interceptions. And Texas played in the Big 12 title game. They didn't win it, but they still played in the Big 12 title game. Um, you add 10 more touchdowns. I know it's, you know, only what 200 more yards of passing, but you'd add 10 more touchdowns to that. Yes, a hundred. I mean, unless for some reason the Big 12 is just some monster of a conference this season, <laughs> that would be probably the only thing that would uh change it. But you know, I I definitely think Texas would be for sure in the Big 12 championship game and possibly a playoff team. Um, you know, I, I do, I fully believe that. Um, and it's funny when you said that about the, the you know, probably have a thousand yard rusher or they may have two, you know, one like 800, one like 700 type of yards. That's essentially exactly what Texas had in 2018 as well with, you know, Trey Watson had 786 yards rushing. Keontae Ingram had 708 yards rushing. Um, obviously Sam Ellinger also ran the ball a lot too, but you, you compare the numbers of what your, you know, Frank is posing here. That's what Texas was essentially in 2018. And they did play for that championship. So. Yeah. Yeah. That would, those numbers would be uh, every Texas fan would take those numbers right now. Yeah. I think every, you know, college team out there and fans of teams would take those numbers from a quarterback right now. And, And shoot, if he has those numbers, I wouldn't be surprised if he is in New York for the Heisman too, right. I would say. So right. I, I agree um, with that. Yeah. 
All right, let's go here. Um, Swag Nasty, the Horns 24-7 member. We kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but what names for offensive analysts should we get excited about? Anyone comparable to a GP Gary Patterson level higher in terms of experience? Yeah, I mean, um, like like Taylor said, we heard some names early on and and then nothing materialized. And so, you know, I think um, Steve Sarkeesian's taking his time because there is, um, you know, the, I don't know if he would bring in a former NFL, um, you know, person. He spent time in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons and, um, you know, from a, from a timing standpoint, you know, he's, he's, I think he's doing his due diligence for sure. Um, and I do think he hit sort of had an idea of what he wanted and then changed his mind. And, and so I think that's why we've seen the, the, just the time play out before, uh, this hire is made. Cause, um, as Taylor said, that job has been posted for well over 30 days. Um, we're coming up on 60 days. And I know um, Sark wanted to hire his receivers coach first, which he's done with Chris Jackson. And so, um, you know, I just think he's, he's doing his due diligence and making sure that he's, you know, bringing in someone who's uh, going to, help him with a specific need or with a bunch of different needs. So uh, it's interesting. It is interesting. And I, and I do think this is where Chris Del Conte, the athletic director um, is a good sounding board because Chris Del Conte was very influential in the, the hiring of Gary Patterson. He was sort of the matchmaker. He just said, Hey, to Gary Patterson, you can come down here and, and, uh, I'll have you talk to Sark, you know, and, and, and it worked out great. So, um, you know, I'm intrigued just like everyone else, you know, there was some speculation um, maybe that it would be David Cutcliffe who has coached the Mannings. He was Peyton Manning's um, offensive coordinator uh, at Tennessee. Then he was Eli Manning's head coach at Ole Miss and of course, you've got Arch Manning at Texas, but I think uh, David Cutcliffe has been, you know, he was successful as a head coach at Duke, um, but I, I think he's been, um, you know, he's also been very um, picky about what, you know, what he might want to do next. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting because I I've said it, the offense held this team back last year. Mm -hmm. uh, the defense did its part. The, the offense held this team back, um, you know, not being able to uh, do more against TCU and um, not being able to, to, you know, close out the Oklahoma state game. Um, you know, the defense did struggle against Texas tech on those fourth downs, but, um, the offense was running the football in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State and then 
through it and through it unsuccessfully. So um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And, and I will say one thing, Chip, when I'm looking at, um, you know, the special assistant to the head coach on offense, I feel like if this is going to be an impactful type of hire, um, Sark needs to get somebody that he trusts and probably somebody he's worked with before who can actually be a voice in his ear in games that he's going to listen to or on the sideline, whatever it may be, um, depending if they want to give one of the headsets to an, um, you know, that, you know, last year, Gary Patterson didn't take one of the headsets, but those coaches are allowed to be on the headset. I believe um, they're just, yeah, they just can't have a microphone. Yeah, they just can't. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I feel like he's got to find somebody for that role again, not just to hire the role, but somebody that, he's going to listen to because I, I do think that was one of the issues um, from talking to sources. And I think it showed up in games. I think a lot of people could understand, like know that Sark was kind of on an Island a lot of times um, as the offensive play caller and head coach in some of those games didn't see everything, you know, clearly I think pretty much everybody on that staff on, especially on offense would have liked for him to stick with the run in some of the games that they lost and Sark didn't. So there wasn't somebody that he was trusting of, I think, in last year's staff. And if he's, you know, wants to really um, help this offense take that next step, he'll, he's probably going to have to find an offensive uh, special assistant that he's worked with so that he already knows that he can trust him and listen to the voice. Because otherwise, it's like you're just one thing if it's Gary Patterson, it's the other side of the ball, you know, coming off of the season where the defense. Uh, struggled some, especially late in games. This guy that knew the Big 12 Conference. I mean, that was a, a match made in heaven for Texas. Probably not so much for Gary Patterson, but still, you know, for um, that him just landing at Texas there, that was crucial. But Sark doesn't have to communicate as much with the defensive coaches. You know, that was a, the, a crucial addition for Pete Kwiatkowski and the staff to have that sounding board from um, the defense. Sark's just got to find somebody that he trusts and that he's probably worked with, I would say. And that's um, not not saying that hiring anybody else wouldn't work. I feel like he's got to fully trust somebody. And I would be surprised if he hired, if he listened to somebody that he has not previously worked with, um, you know, when it comes to in-game type of decisions on offense. Yeah. And remember there, there's a very good chance that they will um, approve a, a rule change that would allow any institutional member um to coach during the week. So, you know, that would be a bit of a game changer. Um, not that it's not happening already, but I know I was going to say, like, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, that, that rule came up in, um, in August. And I think a lot of people thought it was going to pass. It didn't. And, um, there's some thought that it'll get revisited again. Um, in April, uh, we'll see, but it's, um, that's a, you want to have guys, you know, who are in that, um, analyst special assistant role who could also bring some real gravitas to your coaching, uh, during the week. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. And if that does pass too, I would think like, you know, the, the role of like, 
director of player development, for instance, you know, that is a role a lot of times, but that's usually kind of more of a behind the scenes, like support staff person. If that rule does pass, I would not be surprised if you see more programs either adding that that type of job or changing who is in those type of jobs to maybe a former coach who can be on the field and um, coaching instead of just being like a resource for the players too. Yeah. You got Michael Huff right now at Texas yeah. in one of those roles. Um, wouldn't hurt to have a former, former Thorpe award winner, former uh, top 10 draft pick uh, coach in your, yeah. your DBs as well. Not that For it's sure. not already happening, but. <laughs> All right. Here's a question from YouTube here uh, from T Gat. Any chance Malik Murphy can be used as a gadget player or similar to Tyrone swoops in the 18 wheeler package would love the kid to get some playing time. Need your plan ABCD for QB position. Yeah, I I just want to see Malik Murphy compete. You know, last year was a mess because of his, you know, he had ankle surgery, broke his ankle in December in a state championship win. And and then he had the scooter accident where he hurt his wrist. He, it just last year was kind of a his development didn't happen the way he envisioned it because he was an early enrollee, but because of that broken ankle suffered in December, it totally limited his development and growth. It wasn't normal. And, and I'm not going to say it was a lost year because he was in meetings. He's, he's in the second year of this offense. He should be um, really getting comfortable with this offense now. And he's hungry and he's not, you know, he's not a guy who's like, Oh man, you know, here comes Arch Manning. I'm going to, I'm thinking about getting the portal. No, he, he's like, I love it at Texas. I'm ready. I'm ready to compete. And, and so he's definitely a storyline. I think he's critical. Now, if we're just playing pie in the sky um, hypotheticals, the ideal situation would be for Quinn Ewers to light it up this year He's NFL draft eligible after this season and he moves on. And then you've got Malik Murphy and Arch Manning, um, you know, battling it out to be the starting quarterback in 24. Now, you know, because Quinn Ewers was a, in my opinion, a true freshman last year and went through true freshman growing pains. We, we have to wait and see um, how, how big a step he takes. And if, if he's even in the conversation to be uh, a two and done player, but I, I think Malik Murphy is essential because he needs to, you know, I, and listen, I, I'm not in those meetings. I don't know how much he's getting coached by Steve Sarkeesian um, or how much he's getting coached by, I know he's getting coached a lot by AJ Milwe, but, you know, Steve Sarkeesian did um, help groom Matt Castle as a backup quarterback at USC. Uh, Castle barely played as a quarterback at USC and ended up, you know, going on to the NFL and having a 15-year NFL career, was a Pro Bowl quarterback. And, and so if you're a Texas fan, you're hoping Malik Murphy is that guy that wants to keep developing, developing, and wants to do it at Texas – um, and if he doesn't beat out Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning, that he's that guy who's one play away. And when he comes in, man, it's 
wow, this guy's legit. Um, and, and so we'll see, but he's, his personality, everything is great for that locker room. I've, I've talked about how he's seen as the mayor of that locker room. And um, I want to see him now that he's totally healthy. I want to see him compete and, and see what he's got because he is, he's a physical talent. And, and if he's digesting this offense and getting comfortable with it, um, he has a chance to be a big time player. Yeah. And I will say one thing, as you had said with him, you know, he had the injuries. Um, he was an early enrollee. So he's been on campus for a full year. And I wouldn't necessarily say it is a lost year for him because I don't think he came into Texas expecting to compete for the starting job. Um, you know, he was kind of raw. He's a very high ceiling, but kind of a raw player coming out of high school even. So, um, but I, I think it's not a lost year because he has had a year in the playbook in the same offense you know, uh, he, he witnessed as, as bad as it was, um, for Quinn Ewers, he witnessed QB one going down and the next guy stepping up and, um, you know, Hudson card kept Texas in games and won some games for Texas too. But, um, you know, and he was playing through an injury too. So I think that the fact that Malik Murphy witnessed that happening and really saw it firsthand, like, okay, I really am one play away because this is what happened you know, my first year, my freshman year, and I wasn't even able to play. I feel like with everything from a personality standpoint that we've heard about him, I feel he'll, he's a guy that's probably going, if he's healthy, will be ready to be, you know, the one play away type of guy. And, and, you know, if he competes with Quinn, if he beats Quinn Ewers out, I mean, that would be shocking, but that's huge, you know, but him having, you know, taking the step from a competition level, um, competing with Quinn Ewers, you know, competition what is it competition breeds uh what uh, what's that saying there you know like having a competitive room is a good thing especially a quarterback I mean think about when Texas considered themselves beat DBU look at some of the guys that were in the defensive backfield or on the bench I mean you know like that iron sharpens iron type of mentality is huge and you want that at quarterback too and you want a guy that's bought in and from all accounts we've heard Malik Murphy is bought in obviously didn't balk when Arch Manning uh, signed with Texas, um, stuck with his commitment when knowing that Sark and then we're going to go to the transfer portal to get Quinn Ewers even last year too, or prior to last season. Um, he was already committed, you know, to Texas. He could have backed off there, but he didn't. So I think that shows us Texas is the place he wants to be. And um, I would be surprised if if his, you know, number is called in a game, you know, say if Quinn Ewers were to go down or something like that, I would be shocked if he was shell-shocked or not ready to go from everything that we've heard about him. Yeah. And he's not like Jaquindon Jackson who, who came here from Duncanville and is now a running back at Utah. Um, you know, Malik Murphy's a passer, you know, mm -hmm. he is a, a pro big, style quarterback. Yeah. Right. And that's what Steve Sarkeesian is always going to recruit. Mm -hmm. He is a pro style guy, which, you know, that's, that raises the, or it, you know, narrows the margin for error, right? I mean, most teams are moving to a mobile quarterback, and and Texas won a national championship with a dual threat quarterback, probably you know, the best ever uh, dual threat quarterback in Vince Young, and you know there are coaches who say I'll always have a dual threat quarterback like Tom Herman because that 
quarterback as a runner outnumbers the defense and gives you the advantage. That's right. not Malik Murphy. Malik Murphy is a passer. Um, and that's what Steve Sarkeesian's always going to, to recruit. So um, he's not, he's not a gadget guy quarterback. He's, he's a guy you want to be ready when he's one play away. If he doesn't beat out Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning, he's that guy you need in the program because you, we saw last year at not just Texas, but TCU and K-State, you got to have a backup quarterback who can come in and be a difference maker. And um, the, the key for Steve Sarkeesian is convincing Malik Murphy that, hey, I'm the guy to develop you. You're developing and we're going to need you. We're going to need right. you. At some point, they're going to need him. And, yeah. and he's got to buy it, believe it, love it. And um, and so far, I think he does love being in Texas. Yeah, I agree. All right, here's uh, one more here from Horns 24-7 member Trip, Triplet Joseph 44. Is the running game overrated? We went to the Big 12 title game and won a Sugar Bowl with Trey Watson but didn't accomplish anything with three NFL backs, including Keontae Ingram. Interesting question. Yeah. It's not overrated because we saw them close out the win over Baylor, close out K state. Um, they were on the verge of closing out Oklahoma state uh, with that running game. I mean, yeah. when and they B. went John away Robinson, from it. <laughs> yeah. When Bijan Robinson ran it, you know, 20 plus times Texas won games. And, um, and when Texas ran the ball as a team, what, 30, 40 plus times they won. So uh, it's essential. And Sark knows that. And as a guy who wants to have a pro style play action pass offense, he knows he's got to have a running game. And that's why those tight ends are so important. Um, not only to the passing game for all the motion that they do to tip off the quarterback if the defense is in man or zone, um, but those tight ends have to be lead blockers on power plays. And so, um, yeah, the running game is essential. And, and Texas is doing a great job, Tashard Choice, doing a great job of recruiting running backs because um, I talked to the Baxter family and that, that relationship – with Deshard Choice was huge in his picking mm -hmm. Texas. Deshard Choice was recruiting C.J. Baxter when Deshard Choice was still at Georgia Tech. He was one of the first ones in on C.J. Baxter, and and that's that's Deshard Choice's mo. I mean, he he gets on the talented kids right away, builds that relationship, and then makes them feel um, like they can't, you know, be without him. Uh, when right. it comes time to make a decision. So um, the running game is not, not overrated. Uh, you just need, um, you know, that balance. And I think Steve Sarkeesian's getting there. We've talked about it. He feels better about his receiver group. He feels like the passing game is going to be more uh, on par with what he had at Alabama uh, here, here in 2023 because of the depth of the receivers. And that all complements each other the running game and the passing game. So, yeah. And a quarterback that's one year older, you know, yep. is not 
I know he was a redshirt freshman. Chip and I say this all the time. Quinn Ewers was a true freshman who hadn't played football for two years last season. So that's going, you know, him taking that next step is going to make the overall offense um, more balanced, as you had said, you know, um, and not have to only rely on the running backs. Um, but there have been times, there have been games, you know, even before last season, you know, go back to the TCU game in 2021 and Steve Sarkeesian's first year at Texas. Bijan Robinson ran away with the win for Texas because the passing game was bad in that game, like real bad. And he, I mean, he ran it so many times that Gary Patterson uh, angrily called it out a little bit. And I think, I, I still to this day think that it kind of shook Sark a little bit. The comments that Gary Patterson had to happen or had after that game when he said he would never run a guy 36 times, I think it was. Um, and then Bijan didn't get a ton of, more than like 20 carries, I don't think all season um, in any game. So uh, it, you know, I know that the running game, I don't think is going to make it to where you're going to win the national championship. But if you have quality running game, where if the quarterbacks struggling or receivers, you know, weather conditions can impact it. If you have that quality running game to either rely on or keep a balanced attack, it's huge. And so I think Texas is more in a position this year to have that, even without B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who are obviously quality players, uh, the guys that could, you know, put the game on their shoulders. Um, you know, I just think the offense as a whole being one year older, the offensive line being one year older, um, you know, really can make it more of a balanced offense similar to what he had at Alabama. Um so yeah, I, I think I don't think the running game is overrated at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, um, I mean, this has been fun. It's it's yeah. always fun when we uh, when we do a live mailbag edition of the flagship podcast. Thanks so much for all the questions um, that were posted at horns247.com and also posted on YouTube and Facebook uh, here in our. Uh, in our chat uh, throughout uh, this broadcast. And we'll continue to do these because um, they're fun. They're fun. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and it's a big week. It's a big week, folks. You got uh, the Texas women uh, with a chance to clinch at least a share of the Big 12 regular season championship on Monday night against Baylor at the Moody Center. And uh, uh, you got Texas LSU baseball, LSU, the number one team in the country on Tuesday, and then the Texas men are at TCU on Wednesday. Uh, and they have to win that game to have any chance of sharing the Re Big 12 regular season championship with Kansas uh, after Texas lost to Baylor last weekend and Kansas eked out a home win over West Virginia. So, um, and again, we're a week away from the start of spring football. So, uh, and kudos, congrats again to Eddie Reese and Carol Capitani, Texas men's and women's swimming. Uh, Texas is the only team ever to win uh, the Big 12 Swimming and Diving Championship. No other team has ever won it. Texas. That is so wild. That is so wild. Has won every single one of them. And yeah. they just did it again this past weekend. So um, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in and uh, playing along. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Till next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Make sure you're subscribed 
to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel right there. Just hit that uh, subscribe button so that you'll always know when we're doing these broadcasts and all the other uh, great podcasts on our platform with Jeff Howe and, and uh, Rod Babers, the, um, the Blitz. And then you've got, um, you know, of course, Mike Roach and Hudson Standish with the, the state of recruiting. So um, until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. About to set it up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.